Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today we touch on how to navigate formal settings with your autistic child, such as going to church, attending weddings, and beyond. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We are now talking about formal situations. Weddings. And funerals, funerals, (laughs) (laughs) and church. Sorry, Uh, I knew there were three in there, but I couldn't remember what the order was that we were going in. So all three of those have (laughs) the church in common. You realize? Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about formal situations because we are a church-going family, and one of the things that we realized instantly when we first brought our eldest child to a church service was how challenging it is with an autistic child to bring them to a formal setting for many, many, many reasons. And we've had our oldest in both situations. So she would go to the service with us when she was really little. And then when she was a little bit older, probably like a year, year and a half, then she was actually in the nursery daycare area as well. One of the biggest challenges is it's kind of hit or miss in terms of whether the people that are around you are going to be empathetic. If you have an autistic child and they end up stimming vocally very loudly or they have sensory issues or they're having a meltdown, those sorts of things, formal situations is really not the best place for that. It tends to be that people, for me, in my experience, have been like a little more judgy in those areas. Well, I think because you have the ritual of how things progress, and generally, if you are in attendance, you are very quiet, you might have to repeat something back, but basically, for the most part, you're sitting quietly. If you have a child who is going to stim vocally or make other loud noises or interruptions, typically, it's kind of a bit of a struggle because it's out of the norm from what the rest of the congregation or people are doing. We're in a situation right now where we're going to be having to look for a new church soon. And I noticed that the church that we currently attended, they were actually really fantastic with our child. When the oldest one first attended, she was having a really, really hard time because she was in a class that was full of primarily boys. And the reason that was relevant is because boys tend to be rowdier than girls in the class. Like they were literally jumping on tables, throwing things, screaming, crashing trucks, all sorts of noise and chaos. Because this was our oldest that was in that setting, and she is much more a quiet, kind of more reserved. She would kind of be off on her own, kind of playing or do something a little bit more quiet. I think our youngest would have probably fit right in. I don't know, because she's really noise sensitive, too. So but as far as like cried. the climbing and yeah, all she that, she would have she been right <laughs> there with them climbing She would have had a hoot. She would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but we noticed that essentially when we were bringing her to her Sunday school class, it was really challenging because she could not really even tolerate going into the classroom because as soon as you open the door, there's already all this chaos. There's noise of kids screaming and playing. You can like visually see the chaos of things flying across the room, cars 
chairs going across the floor. And even though the teachers were really nice, I think she was just overwhelmed by all the sensory chaos of the moment. Right. And that's when I think we saw her going off on her own and doing her play very isolated by herself. And I think there was like a young teenage girl who was kind of like her like teacher for the Sunday school that she kind of like bonded with. And that was her buddy who helped her through Sunday school a little bit better. So we learned a couple things from that experience. One is if you are able to find a special person that your child can bond with when they are going to church or some sort of like service that requires them to be either away from the parent or kind of quiet. I think it's really important to find a person that they connect with because that makes all the difference from our kid having a meltdown and screaming and freaking out to feeling protected and taken care of. Yeah, I agree with that situation. It was almost kind of a bit of a distraction because the girl who was her like mentor, like little teacher, she would sit with her and sing her songs. And because our oldest, well, actually both of our kids love songs, she would calm down because she would like the song that the girl was singing. So in that, it created a bit of a distraction. So I guess if it is possible, if you are in a formal situation, if there's any way that you're able to try and find a little bit of a distraction to kind of help your child regulate a little bit better where they're able to go through the activity. Yeah, definitely bring them noise reduction earmuffs or anything that you know that they normally do well with. I would also share the knowledge with the caretakers of what you know probably helps. So like for her, she really liked nursery rhymes and books and things like that. So we knew that if she was frustrated, if they read to her or sang songs to her, that it would probably calm her down. So if there's anything like that calms your child down, it's important to make sure that whoever is caring for your child in that situation is aware of that. And the other thing that we did is our church at the time did not have any sort of sensory room or anything like that. I think churches really fail in that area in terms of accommodating disability. It's like an area that still needs a lot of work. But our church was very friendly and empathetic and understanding. And because of that, they were willing to do anything to try to accommodate. They created kind of like a makeshift sensory room. It was kind of like a room that wasn't being used. And they would just pull her out of the classroom and go with her in this other room that still had toys and stuff. But she would be alone and she would calm down because it was quiet and there wasn't anything going on. So if your church is at least willing to accommodate that or your formal situation, if it's a wedding venue. For us, when we got married, we got married in a wedding facility that we specifically looked to make sure that the venue had a children's area where if kids got overwhelmed during the wedding ceremony, they could go into this other separate room and take a nap. They could play. There was a TV there. We always made sure to make accommodations. And I'd also say another important thing is this should go without saying, don't push your child into doing anything that they're uncomfortable with. So even when our daughter was young and she would sit with us in like the service, we would always kind of sit in the back. And then if it became too much for her with the singing or if she got overwhelmed, we could quickly get to a place that was further away from the music and people singing and any other distraction to calm her down, sing to her, rock her. So I would definitely say if you do bring your child into a formal setting, it might be a good idea to kind of pay attention like, okay, where are the exits? Where is a little room that if they do get upset, where can I take them to to get them back to a neutral point? And then we can try to go back to the formal setting again. And of course, there's the standards like creating a little sensory bag that has like fidget toys and all those sorts of goodies for them, bringing things that can help distract like coloring, music, that sort of thing. 
I also heard from some people online that apparently some locations for churches and wedding venues have what's called, I think, like a cry room. And it's basically like a transparent window that you can see through and you can see the service, but it is soundproof. So you could bring your child in there if they're very loud or they're vocally stimming or if they're crying and nobody in the congregation can hear you because it's totally soundproof, but you can see everything. I mean, that sounds like a great idea. And honestly, it it brings me back to when we went to my brother's wedding. The wedding was outside, but you were able to stay inside with like all the glass windows with our oldest because she was only a few months old. You were able to kind of see the wedding, but yet you were kind of away and excluded from it. So it kind of works on, I mean, a couple of different levels. If you're able to kind of find a either a facility that offers that or if you're able to put yourself in a situation that already has that accommodation. And if you're part of a church, if you're a church goer, if you don't have that there, maybe advocate for it. See if you can get some sort of accommodation, be the one to kind of spark that idea and see if you can get some wheels turning and see if eventually they will accommodate something like that. But if you're going to things like weddings or funeral services or things like that that are more formal, sometimes it may just be too uncomfortable. A funeral, for example, depending on the intellectual level of your child and what level functioning they are, it may depend on whether or not it would be appropriate to bring your child. If you feel like your child maybe can't cope very well with that situation and because of that stress or the sadness that they might be feeling at that funeral, it's going to cause them to like vocally stim a lot or it's going to cause them to have to run laps or like things like that, then perhaps it might not be the healthiest situation to put them in at that time. And you might just want to arrange childcare or just skip out on some of these events. And I would say another thing is, I mean, obviously know your child, but also know the situation that you're putting your child in. If you've never taken your child to a wedding before or, I mean, a funeral, I wouldn't just kind of throw them in blind. I would work your way up to it if that's at all possible, or at least have a backup plan to what should I do in the case that stimming is taking place or my child starts being very loud and other people are seeing it as inappropriate or anything like that. The good thing about formal situations is that they typically, nine times out of 10, are predictable. You know when you're going to church, you know when you're going to a wedding, you know when you're going to a funeral, you know when these dates are coming up. So because of that, it makes it easy to be able to plan ahead and create like a social story to explain these things to your child. And a social story can be really easy. I just created one the other day, pull up a Word document, get some clip art and put a sentence. Today, we're going to be going to church and just explain the sights and sounds and smells they might experience and how they can choose to react to it or that it's okay to react a certain way. Just know that mom and dad are here for you, like that sort of thing. So I think there's probably a bunch of pre-created ones on the internet too that are free. So you, you could probably honestly Google it and find one for pretty much any occasion. And I would say for like church or a wedding, I would say, see if there's a way that you can make it fun too. So in our social stories that we create, I mean, even going to the doctor, for example, we try and make the social story fun. So like when our daughter is going to the doctor, she's excited to like play with the doctor's like a stethoscope. Now I understand obviously for like a funeral, like... <laughs> 
I mean, obviously, I mean, that's a Don't little- play with that. Well, but all, right. Well, I, I was thinking more so like, try not to make like the funeral like fun. You obviously. don't want to put a clown nose well, on? Well, I was going to say like, because every, I mean, people are like in mourning. So no. it's like, it's hard to like, I mean, I guess in that situation, make it like a fun game of sorts. But I would say for like going to church, try and find a way to get them excited. Like, oh, you'll probably get to play with blocks in the nursery or you'll get to sing fun songs and dance. You can yeah. kind of get them excited. So then when they see the church, they're not dreading it going in. They're like, oh, cool. I'll get to play with friends potentially. Yeah. Cause like ours, they will do like crafts and art. They'll go out and play. They'll do songs. They'll do snack time. So there's lots of ways that you can incorporate that and kind of get them excited for it. You can also use a visual schedule to have them see what's going to happen before it happens and kind of run it through them. And we do a lot of role playing at home too. If we know a formal situation is coming up and we're not sure how they'll handle it, we at home recreate it and we kind of do like a little bit of a role play and we just let them experiment with what that situation could potentially look like. And honestly, for us, that has worked really well. They're really receptive to it. We also tried this with going to the doctor and the dentist where we do a dress rehearsal at home. And honestly, it's worked really, really well. I was going to say, as far as like when we're brushing their teeth, we play dentist. So then they let us like brush their teeth. It kind of worked better when we went to the dentist. I mean, the dentist, I mean, sure, there were still struggles, but I mean, overall, it was better than the first experience. Way better. Right. Way better. So I think for church also is I wouldn't be afraid if you have to to pull them out of the situation early. Our church service, I think it's like runs like an hour and a half, but usually we would kind of get like a text or something that our daughter needed us to like pick her up probably like half hour, 45 minutes into the service because she gets overwhelmed and she wasn't able to last for the full hour and a half, which is perfectly fine. I mean, any progress is progress. So I mean, the Mm -hmm. fact that she was able to stay 45 minutes without either of us in the nursery, just playing games before she got to the point where she basically had to tap out. That's phenomenal. So I, I mean, I wouldn't be afraid to kind of say like, oh, she didn't make it all the way through the church service. I mean, I saw it as a positive, like, wow, she made it through half of the church service when before we had basically no expectation for her to make it any duration of time. And we had a phenomenal staff because I recall that they were celebrating those wins with us. They're like, oh, she made it 15 minutes today. Oh my goodness. She made it 30 minutes. Oh, she made it 45. That makes a world of a difference when you have staff that's like that. And they're really like willing to embrace your child and get excited with you. So, I mean, I wouldn't basically throw it in like a like pass fail. I mean, there are so many degrees of success. So don't see it as black and white. And it also depends on what's going on that day. They might do really great and make it through it one time. And then another time, something else happened that may have sent them off earlier in the day. And that could influence them when they go to the service. For example, if they had their routine disrupted in the morning, their favorite show wasn't on. That could be something that triggers them to not be able to cope later on. So always keep in mind the external environment and things that have happened prior to going to these events, just to make sure that there isn't anything that could potentially trigger a meltdown later on. Yeah, some days you'll have more success than others. I'm thinking of like when we went to a restaurant, for example, our daughter had been able to sit with us eating an entire meal and we celebrated because we were able to sit there, eat and then leave no problem. But this one particular time that we were going out to breakfast with her to a restaurant that she's already been to and has already successfully eaten through the meal with us, we weren't even able to order water because she was kind of going into a full-blown meltdown right there in the restaurant. And then we basically had to kind of cut our losses and they're like, okay, like this isn't going to work out today. So we kind of just packed up and kind of left from there. Looking back now, I think what it was, what she wasn't feeling 
well she she wanted to kind of go home because we think that she was kind of feeling a little sick and she just wanted to kind of lie down there's all sorts of other things that are at play here on another day she might have done better i mean sometimes she doesn't do as well i think you just hang in there you celebrate the wins and you don't stress out about if you have to leave early or anything like that it's challenging when our kiddos are either nonverbal or don't know how to express because for her, we had no idea that she wasn't feeling well. The only reason we knew was because the following day she had like a fever and wasn't feeling great. But that day we had no idea. And she probably was not feeling well and just couldn't tell us. So sometimes what happens is your kid will express that through like a meltdown or other behaviors, or they might be more prone to their sensitivities, their sensory sensitivities. So if you ever see that, For me, the instinct is something's up. They might be feeling sick. And of course, I mean, this all takes time. It's not going to be, they they tried it once before, and now the second time you're trying it, you should be expecting no issues, perfect, flawless. Like We still have struggles. I mean, we've tried to go out to restaurants with them or church with them several times. Sometimes we do better than others, but I mean, we don't give up. We keep trying to push through, see if they're able to, on a different day, do a little bit better. But I mean, ultimately, it's more so for them than us. We don't get upset that, oh, we didn't make it to the end of the church service. We were focused on their needs and that they are okay. One of our tactics has been to start with things that are like low risk. So for example, if we are practicing going to a restaurant, we're not going to go for a five-star restaurant. We're going to go for like an IHOP or something really like basic that's family friendly that you expect there to probably be a lot of chatter. And we always set the bar low in terms of what we think they're going to be able to get through because we need to have an exit strategy. And when that happens, like when you go and bring them to the restaurant or the church or the wedding, when things start to kick off, Just keep your cool and just treat it like your child is asking for your support at that time. Even though they're not actually verbally asking you, by having a meltdown, it's their way of saying, mom, dad, I need help. And so whenever I see these moments, I instinctively will feel upset or embarrassed or frustrated. But I always remember to rethink during that moment and analyze the situation and understand that they're the ones right now that are struggling and we have to refocus our efforts to making sure that they are okay. I'm always about trying to accommodate that need and get them out of the situation that is triggering them and then build our way up to those formal situations. We go to a very casual, jean-wearing, yeah, yeah, like laid back. (laughs) T-shirt. Yeah. We go to a church that's just not super hardcore. And part of that is strategic. I know that my kids would never do well in a really formal, structured, wear dress and leggings type of church. Right. I think that you got to apply that to other formal situations, too. We would never bring our kids to a five-star restaurant. It's just never going to happen because we know that we do have certain limitations. We don't even bring ourselves to a five-star restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's true, too. Okay, how about like a a two-and-a-half-star? I feel like even that's a struggle. Oh, my gosh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you know your limitations and you know your child's limitations. And while we do advocate for always trying to push past those limitations, we also realize that some scenarios are simply unrealistic. And for us, it's putting our kids on a table with porcelain. That's just not going to happen. Well, I think it's good. I mean, obviously, yeah, know your child's limitations, but also don't set them up 
for failure. I mean, I wouldn't put myself in a situation that I'm uncomfortable in. I mean, if I'm going out to a fancy dinner where there's lots of silverware and I have no idea what course comes when and which fork to use, like- I was just going to say, which fork? Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I wouldn't put myself in that because I'm basically asking to stand out because I'm not accustomed to that lifestyle. So I wouldn't do the same with my child. I'm setting the bar where I think that they have room to grow and potential to improve and do better in that situation. But I'd also don't want to set the bar impossible for anyone to succeed. Yeah, I honestly think about it kind of like silly putty. And I know this sounds weird, but follow me here. (laughs) It's like when you have putty in your hands and you press into it, it leaves an indentation, but it doesn't like break right through it. It kind of molds around whatever you're using. So it'll mold around your hands. It'll mold around your fingers. It accommodates you essentially. That's kind of what we do. We push through the putty of life, let it mold around us a little bit, pull back a little bit, and you kind of play with it so that life and yourself are intermeshed. That was really new agey. I I don't know if anyone's going to be able to follow that. that. I'm realizing how very insane that sounds. But you have to kind of go with the flow and not feel like things are so black and white that some things are more instinctive and you kind of have to feel it out rather than trying to say beforehand, this is how it's going to go. This is what I'm going to try. Some things you have to do on the, not on the cuff, it would be off the cuff. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. It works. (laughs) You're hilarious. No, I mean, I agree. So, I mean, if you're introducing a new situation, you have to start with the foundation. You can't jump to like the executive level dining room if you haven't started eating at like a local cafe. Our metaphors are so well, like, weird I'm, I'm in this episode. Of, like, you have to learn how to eat not throwing food on the floor before you're going to like an elegant restaurant essentially. Right. Like, So I mean, start off low and then kind of build off of that. So then you're building improvement and not overshooting where you would ordinarily start. But also know that there's no requirement to ever get to that fancy restaurant. (laughs) We're not there. (laughs) Yeah. Like basically this really obscure metaphor that we're using that I apologize for. (laughs) It's all about constantly trying to improve and constantly trying to push limitations while still understanding that it's okay to fail. It's okay to not meet certain expectations as long as we continue to try to find new ways to have our children explore and interact with the world, trying to find new ways to get them to at least try some of these formal situations out. That's honestly the best that we can do. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We can say we tried. We can say, hey, buddy, you did it. You lasted five minutes. Congratulations. That's more than I could have. (laughs) Right. And I know for me, and I mean, this kind of goes out, I guess, more so to like the dads. It's never a fun situation if you have to leave early. If your kid is screaming and crying, it's not fun picking them up, carrying them out of the restaurant, out of church, out of whatever situation. It's not fun. And I mean, obviously, it's not enjoyable for your child either. But I wouldn't elevate your anger or mood. What I do basically is I just stay focused walking. I see the door. I just keep walking out the door. I'm breathing calm because if I can regulate my breathing and staying calm, then I can try and show my daughter as I'm carrying her out, like I'm perfectly cool, calm, collect, and I can work with you to kind of get you back to a neutral as well. By elevating the situation and getting upset, it doesn't help the situation. Do not care what people think. When we were bringing our kid out of IHOP, she was screaming. I had to put her over my shoulders because I'm really short and she's too big for me. And I was definitely getting a whole lot of stares. She was screaming like a banshee. She was really loud and flailing around. And I just kept my cool. Casually had her on my shoulder and brought her to the car. And people were staring. And there will always be that sort of judgment. 
There will always be people who don't understand. There will always be people who think you're just a bad parent. At the end of the day, though, they don't know the situation and they don't understand. And you are the parent. You know what's best for your child. You understand what's going on. So just let that stuff roll right off and don't get frustrated about it. Yeah, don't worry about a bunch of strangers who you're probably never going to see again because who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Your child is all that matters. Exactly. Honestly, we don't sweat them. That's all we have for you today in this episode. We hope it was a little bit helpful. Again, don't push formal situations on your kids if you don't feel like they're ready for it. But, you know, don't be afraid to try either. And hopefully you understood what our metaphors meant. Yes, I apologize again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. To summarize, we discussed how availability of a sensory space, break room, or cry room can help create a more comfortable environment for your child during formal settings. We also note how working with empathetic staff, providing a sensory bag, using social stories, and knowing when it's time to leave can help your struggling child. Tune in next time as we chat about disclosing your child's autism diagnosis. We answer questions such as, should I ever disclose my child's diagnosis to them? If so, when is the appropriate age to tell my child they are autistic? And who should I inform about my child's autism? This is Embracing Autism. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.